Hi, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. As usual, I'm your host, your sister and your friend in Kiru of Conversations from the Diaspora, a Building Africa's Future podcast. And today I'm hosting a discussion on behalf of the Afro-American Academy with Mr. Sharif Muhammad. Sharif is committed to detailing the Black experience in America through his digital art, along with 20 plus years of art and teaching experience. So thank you so much for joining us this evening, Sharif. <laughs> if you could thank please- you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. If, if you can just um, say hello to our listeners and if you can kind of briefly tell us a little bit more about yourself and your art. Sure. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I, I've, I've been teaching for about 20 years and I've been creating for roughly 10 or maybe a little bit more. Um, so um, my background in graphic design and I, I thought when I graduated from college, I would be heading into a, a career in graphic design. I sort of landed a job in teaching um, straight out of college and sort of fell in love with that, with that community. I'm at Boston Day and Evening Academy, um, and it's a, basically a public charter school, part of Boston Public Schools. And I sort of just uh, decided to stay, and then um, I found a lot of purpose there as a teacher. Um, and so I, I sort of have this background in art, but I didn't really do much with it uh, besides teaching teaching Photoshop to students, you know, and, um, and so, uh, would you like me to get, to get into the history, uh, my artistic history sort of, or? Yeah, 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 sure, please. Okay. Yeah. So I basically started off doing, um, you know, I, I would like, I was always kind of like interested in drawing, but I was never very good at it. Um, and as to, after, after college, I think some of the fundamental art classes I took sort of kicked in. I only took a few of them. Um, but, um, Years later, when I sat down to do art, I was just significantly, significantly better at it. Um, and so I, uh, I started to create drawings using iPads. And, you know, someone once said to me, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great, but it's on an iPad. Like, it's like almost as if it's not real art, right? So, and so I said to myself, you know, I think I can paint if I just tried. I had never picked up a paintbrush before. Um, and so I used different mediums like pastels and charcoal and stuff like that in college. Um, and so, so I, I took a uh, weekend art class, learned how to oil paint, and it was really just about getting the right materials. And um, and once I had those materials, you know, I just kept painting. So it's been, I'd, I'd say it's been about 11 years that I've been creating art. And, um, you know, since then I've gotten married, I've had kids, and my art has sort of transformed from sort of painting random things, um, and, you know, copying art that I like or copying photographs or whatever. Um, to um, to really focused on um, painting portraits and specifically portraits of black and brown people. And that came as a result of being a dad um, and, and just thinking, seeing the world through my kids' eyes and just thinking about how I want them to experience the world. Um, and, and also the other thing that's changed is the medium, right? So it's, it's gone from oil paint, which takes a long time to dry and it's sort of messy to acrylic to eventually um, digital, uh, back to the iPad. Um, and, and I've been creating digital artwork now. Yeah, Sharif, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I know, um, and I do want to appreciate you again, because this conversation has been um, long overdue. We originally wanted to chat uh, during Black History Month. So I you know, just thank you for your, your, your continued interest and also for the beautiful cards that you sent. Um, the, those are really nice. Your, your work is incredible. Well, and I know you. from our initial conversation, and of course you just brought it up now, your commitment or 
I guess this um, maybe dedication to creating images um, that highlight or showcase black and brown people was as an inspiration of, you know, of having your children. So if you can kind of like speak a little bit more about, you know, uh, you know, creating art with your children in mind and what type of future do you um, envision for them that maybe is different from your own upbringing? Sure. Um, yeah, so first of all, I, I, I think of, um, you know, being in college and taking um, art history classes, you know, and thinking about how disconnected I felt from art history classes. And, and, and the same thing happened in high school with, with U.S. history classes. Um, and I just never liked history. I thought I just didn't like history, right? Mm. Um, and, and in hindsight, it, it was sort of like, I was, I felt like I was disconnected from, from history classes because it was not about me. Right. right. It was just like sort of old white men. Right. And, <laughs> right. And then our history was sort of similar. It was, it was European white. It was like old European men, I guess. Right. Like mm -hmm. from, from hundreds of years ago and they were considered the masters. Right. And mm -hmm. so I, I think, um, I, I, I want to create a world where, um, black and brown people are represented everywhere. Right. So like not only in history books, um, but on on the walls of museums and, you know, when we uh, play cards, we see our own faces on the cards, Right. So instead of instead of sort of something maybe being sent messages that that white people are kings and queens and we're not. Right. So and so I, I so I think it's, you know, it's just about representation and, and, and like I think representation should be everywhere because right. I feel like um I feel like racism is sort of this like it's like death by a thousand cuts right it's like um it, it's these minor little things you know mm. it's, it's like not you know having commercials with little white kids or like you know like it's just it's just everything everywhere you turn sort of the status quo is just white right and um and it's, it's it's sort of like these little minor things that aren't that detectable um or, or if if i should say not that protectable detectable by white people particularly because they're not thinking about it because you know they're being represented right mm -hmm. so um if you're a black and brown person you're well aware um that representation needs to be everywhere i think right yeah i mean that's definitely powerful i mean one thing that stood out to me the most was the comment that you made about you know being in the classroom being in you know your history class and not really being able to connect because the people that you saw that were celebrated um, didn't look like you. And then, you know, just kind of goes into lots of deeper stories where, you know, slavery almost looks like that's like the only starting point when it comes to, you know, our people, which of course that's not true. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that you highlighted that. And I think, you know, being obviously you're um, an educator, um, me as well, I, you know, have worked in education um, for a few years. I enjoy teaching, I enjoy learning. And I, one thing I found, um, as you rightly mentioned, the best way to connect with our students, particularly, um, you know, black and brown students, you have to make the stories um, relatable. They have to see themselves in some way or the other um, mm -hmm. represented, either with a teacher who looks like them, who may have a shared experience, um, and of course, someone who is genuinely interested in them. So I appreciate, you know, you being that for your students. Um, yeah, so I do want to ask um, one question because you definitely highlighted it, and I, I know that's something that we see very often. Um, you know, obviously we live in a country where, you know, the history and everything else like that, where white is seen 
to be like the standard. So like, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, like you see commercials where it's like only white people um, periodically might see, you know, of course, these days as people are more interested in like, you know, DEI and everything else, they're trying to be a little bit more inclusive. But yeah, when I'm pretty sure like, you know, obviously when, you know, even looking at some comments and like maybe the YouTube video um, with your interview, people will say things like, oh, well, you know, why does it always have to be, you know, white and black? Why is it so important to have black cards? And obviously people who say things like that are speaking from a place of privilege because they've never had to live, you know, that experience where you don't see yourself represented right. in every aspect of life. So mm -hmm. if you can just kind of say a little bit, like, how do you, how do you, or how would you um, respond to people like that who feel like creating cards or creating art intentionally, um, you know, with black representation, um, for those who feel that it's unnecessary, like, how would you respond to them? Yeah, um, it's, it's hard to respond to that because it feels so obvious to, to me, but, um, but I, I guess I would say, um, you can't exclude somebody who is, like, included all the time, right? And so, right. I, I think, I think that the only people who would ever say that are, are, are the people who, uh, who are overrepresented. Mm. You know, and so and so it's like, what could you possibly be complaining about when you're overrepresented? You know, it's, it's just kind of like, and, and if you're if you're someone who's black or brown, then it's very obvious. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I, you know, I, I'm not represented in this space. I'm not represented here. I'm not represented there. It's, it's very clear. Um, I, I I don't and I don't know. Like, you know, that might look different in different parts of the country, right? right. Here in Boston, I am steadily in white spaces where I'm like looking around, I'm the only black face in sight. Right. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's, so I just, I just think that it's just like how, you know, it's so obvious to me, right? It's like everywhere I look, um, I, I feel like there needs to be representation here. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I, I would, I would say those people are completely out of touch. Um, and it's so, it's sort of not, it, it's not the area of expertise, right? Because they, they have very little experience or perspective um on that situation yeah totally um i i definitely agree with that um i know with um you know you actually brought up a very good point just now with you know obviously you live in the northeast you live in boston which um i've never been there but <laughs> kind of the way you described it and marlon and a few others that i've you know been in um, communication with it's a largely white space um or large largely white place depending on where you are um and I, I don't know if you attended or if you um, watched any of our previous um, conversations when we were talking with the youth who um, go to like mostly white schools and they were kind of talking about their experiences um, being black in those majority white spaces. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, Marlon and I, we kind of talked about how, you know, even as an adult, you know, as you move into your professional life and everything else like that, it doesn't really change. Sometimes it becomes worse. Um, depending on the industry that you work in or, or, you know, just the environments that you find yourself in. So uh, my next question I would say is maybe two part. The first one would be um, how do you kind of combat maybe if, it, if it's imposter syndrome or if it's maybe any type of um, discomfort that you may have in those types of settings when you're um, like the only black face pretty much in a predominantly white um, crowd. And then the other um, question or comment that I would say is, do you, is it something that is 
at the top of your mind when you're in those spaces. Because I, I found for me personally, and I've kind of been paying more attention to it recently, only because, you know, obviously, you know, as a result of the pandemic, we've all kind of been more, I would say, many of us are focusing a lot more on, you know, being mindful of, you know, spaces that we're in, our, you know, mental space, or just different things that might not feel very comfortable or normal for us. And I do see, you know, at, at my place of work, I'm often the only black woman um, in certain spaces. Initially, it didn't bother me. Um, and it's, I'll say to some extent now it doesn't bother me, but it's always interesting to be the only one or the only voice in those types of spaces. So if you can just kind of maybe touch on that a little bit, how do you feel when you're in those types of environments? Like, yeah. is, there, is there anything that you do to combat it? And is it something that is always at the forefront of your of your mind? Yeah, I, I so so I grew up, um, I'm from Brockton, which is like uh, about 30 minutes south of Boston. It was just really, I grew up in a really diverse place. Um, well, I mean, like compared to the rest of the country, you know, and so I had like friends of all races and, and that's sort of like the, the perspective that I was coming from growing up. Um, when I went to college, so yeah, so that was like basically, you know, all the way through high school, you know, it was, it was, it was increasingly more minority, right? Uh, more black and brown as, as I got older. Right. Um, and I remember the, the white people would say like, we're becoming the minorities. Like, and, and I, I'm assuming that their parents were saying this to them, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but my classmates would say that all the time. And I, I feel like I was getting these sort of glimpses of racism and there was this sort of white flight that was happening as I was coming up and going through high school. Um, when I got to college, I went to UMass Amherst, uh, which is predominantly white. Um, I, I lived in, a, in a, a, the part of campus that was predominantly black and brown, well, not predominantly, but more black and brown. Right. Um, and, uh, but I, I feel like I started to get a, a taste of being sort of that black face and white space in college. Um, hmm. it, it, feels, it feels sort of like um, sadly normal to me. Right. You know, I just feel like I've, I've, sort of, I've sort of come into my professional life um, having to deal with that always, you know? And, and it's it's sad that that's how it is. Um, you know, I, I grew up with very few, I, I probably had, I had one black teacher, my, I think my whole, uh, my, all the way through high school basically, right? Through like from K1, like kindergarten through high school, I had one black teacher. Wow, really? one black teacher <laughs> in college, right? And that was it. Um, and, hmm. and, and I feel like a lot of, even like in, in, in Boston, um, there's a, you know, the, the predominantly black, like basically the Latino and black population is really high, mm -hmm. but, um, there are very few, especially black male teachers or Latino male teachers, hmm. um, and many, many white teachers. Right. So there's this, um, so I, I don't, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but basically, um, <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I, I, I just feel like. I'm more aware of it maybe in the last five years or so. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, my income's higher than it was. I, I, I go to shows, I, I go out to dinner and I'm around the city a lot. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I, I just see these, basically, I, you know, I, I work in Roxbury, which is like 90 something percent black. Um, and then, and then I go to the rest of the city, and there's nowhere to be found, and it's oh. really strange. And, and and also like some something that's different from the south, you know, from from 
I go to I go to Charlotte often because my parents live there. Nice. And my sister my sister lives in Charlotte as well. And she originally was from the DC area. And I, I just like I remember being in in like that the DC Maryland area mm-hmm. and being shocked at this sort of black middle class. Right. That was right. And so I so I go into a neighborhood and it was all black and there were mansions and there were like beautiful cars in the driveways. And I had never seen that before, you know, because in Boston there is no black middle class. It's either you're it's either you're you're black and you're in a poor neighborhood or you're you're nowhere else, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, so so I, I feel like yeah. So so I was able to sort of sort of. I, I live in Jamaica Plain now. It's 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 becoming increasingly more white. Um, so I don't know. I just end up I find myself in these white spaces all the time and. It just becomes um, the the norm, sadly, you know. Mm. So it doesn't feel like there's any way out of it. It just feels like it's, if anything, getting worse. No. <laughs> okay, that just, wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. definitely wasn't the outcome that I hoped for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, I, I, should, I shouldn't say that. I'll, I'll say I don't. Have anything, right? Like, uh, I I don't see anything improving from my perspective. It's just kind of like. Um, I, I'm more keenly aware mm. that I'm in these spaces, um, but but if anything, it feels like I'm more in these spaces than ever. Okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I sorry, mean, I couldn't, I couldn't give you more hope. No. <laughs> no. 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 Actually, to be honest, I appreciate that because I know, um, you know, my experience actually is very different from yours. I, from K through twelve, I've pretty much had black teachers my entire life um you know of course I've had white teachers as well I've had I've had Asian teachers um I've had Latino teachers I've actually had a very diverse my so let me not ramble too much but I'll say my upbringing you know where I lived in Charlotte um very diverse kind of communities so I would say you know I recently moved um to a more suburban kind of area that's out slightly out of outside of Charlotte so and also again attributing everything back to the pandemic prior to 2020 um i would say i wasn't as i mean of course i was aware of race um you know i always talk about on my, on my podcast just like growing up my dad would always like show us videos um about you know american um black history and you know african you know history as well so i was very conscious and aware of all of these things and it was part of my you know childhood kind of growing up seeing these things being aware of them but I never really came face to face to it or thought about it much on this kind of a deeper level until I moved um you know to where we live now and also you know again um after the pandemic um you know during the pandemic and and even now like just kind of certain things that we would see in the news like it was just like kind of a lot for me and then so I'm more aware of it now and at a point it was really uncomfortable for me and I you know, wasn't really happy with, you know, where I lived because where I live is a very predominantly um, white area. So it was just kind of like um, a bit of a culture shock, if that makes sense. Because again, I grew up in a diverse environment, went to diverse schools, um, both at the, you know, primary, secondary level and then university level. So to kind of go into a, you know, live um, in an area that is mostly white, um, it was just kind of a shock to me. Um, but I, I do appreciate what you're saying as far as like even professionally kind of being in those spaces. Um, would you say that sometimes it, it helps to kind of be in more 
um, spaces that maybe, you, you know, you might be underrepresented, but at the same time, maybe you might get some type of different insights working with different types of people, or I don't know if that, if that makes sense. Um, I would say that not particularly, I don't think, I don't think it helps to be in predominantly white spaces at this point. I feel like I have enough of the white perspective. Right. That, that makes sense. And, and what I need is more perspective of, of a variety of people. Right, right. And so, so, I, so I think I'm kind of craving diversity, you know, at, at this mm. point. Um, because, yeah, because again, in my professional life, it's always been, you know, growth from college all the way through, like being a teacher. Right. Um, I, I guess, like, I, I guess I could say that my school is unique in that it is you know we basically have a mission to be anti-racist at this point mm -hmm. um, we, we are sort of we, we want we try to prioritize hiring black and brown teachers nice it doesn't always happen um you know because because the pool is kind of limited and or whatever for whatever reasons it, does, it, it often doesn't happen but I, right. I i know that that's that's sort of the whole lens of what we're trying to do over the last few years so so i think that that helps the fact that I work with, with black and brown students, I think helps give me that, give me some perspective and, and, and grounds me in that way. Mm. Um, but professionally speak, you know, professionally speaking, I, I, I just think, I, I don't know what to say besides like, we, we've heard enough of, of sort of the, the, the white voice. Right. right. Because, because it's everywhere. It's, it's that we live in it. So, yeah. um, so the, the more we could hear from other perspectives, the better, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that, Sharif. I mean, thank you for sharing. I think um, kind of where I was going with that question, because, you know, speaking from the immigrant experience, um, you know, and I know some of the, the, you know, the young ladies that I spoke to previously um, when we were discussing like this whole, you know, black and white spaces kind of conversation. A lot of them are coming from like an um, immigrant background where, you know, a lot of our parents, for them, um, being in mostly white spaces is kind of like an indicator or marker of, you know, success. Um, so I don't know if, if you want to talk a little bit more about that, maybe from your own upbringing, like from like a black American perspective or any other kind of angle you want to go with that. Cause I know, I know for some people in our community, um, but again, of course I'm speaking primarily from like the immigrant, um, kind of, um, first or second generation kind of experience for us, like not me personally, but like for our parents, they kind of saw it or viewed it as, you know, if you're in these spaces and you've kind of made it in life, um, which I think is, of course, is an unfortunate way of thinking. Um, but I don't know if you want to kind of say anything about that before we kind of go a little bit more into your art. Yeah, I, I um, I haven't had that experience. You know, I, I think um, my parents never emphasized that that point um, mm. that that sort of white was equated with success. Um, my, my dad was, so my dad is, is, um, is a Muslim. He's an Orthodox Muslim um, who sort of like changed his name to, to remove the slave name, you know, which is how I got my name. Um, and, you know, I think he was, he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like um, a black Muslim, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't overly militant in any way, but he was, he was definitely pro-black. Right. And so I didn't like proud to be black, you know, and um, my mom didn't mention it much, I'd say. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess I would say like, I, I kind of, I could see how that perspective could happen from somebody who, um, who traveled, 
to America to sort of make a better life and that, you know, this sort um, but I think it's just different when you are sort of the ancestors of slaves and you're mm. sort of you're sort of here. Not you're you're here not by choice. Right. Right. And so and so I I don't I can't really put my finger on like what that 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 nuance, you know. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, thankfully, like I, I feel like I haven't received that message. Okay. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I I always like to hear like you know the different perspectives, and thank you for you know sharing a little bit more about that. So mm-hmm. I mean, just to kind of um, kind of turn it back a little bit more to your art, what what are some stories that you like to tell with your art? Um. Yeah. So I I um, you know I. I, I like to tell stories of, of black beauty and um, joy, um, black brilliance, black pride, and also like the, you know, I would say the black struggles sort of like at the bottom of that list. Right. I, I when I when I I'm thinking about like during the pandemic, you know, Breonna Taylor gets killed, mm. um, Ahmaud Arbery gets killed. Right. And there were protests in the streets of Boston. I, I have a young family. And I just didn't feel like it was safe to go out in the streets. Yeah. It was, just, it was like, the, I, I felt this like frustration that, and I, like, I felt like I needed to be out there and I couldn't be out there the way I wanted to be. Mm. I remember like, like reflecting on this, like at a work meeting and like just kind of breaking down in that meeting, you know, and, mm. and art was, was the way out of that for me nice. um, because nice. I, you know, I, it, it was just a place to, to, to put that emotion, to put those emotions. Um, and so, so I created like, you know, some pieces that are, you know, they're, they're, they're on the dark side. Right. And they're, and yeah. they're, and they, they all involve the American flag because that's kind of where I was at, you know, um, and, and not, and not, not using the American flag in a very positive light, I'd say. Right. Uh, and, and, um, but, but it's sort of what I needed to do to get those emotions out. And then like when I, when I would put them out on Instagram or wherever, um, that getting that reaction from people like sort of like this is how I've been feeling, you know, like really validated mm. where where I was at, and so it sort of became this give and take between my audience and myself. Yeah, um, and so so I guess I would say that when when I'm in certain spaces, it's about sort of shining a light on on the black struggle and the history of the black struggle that that I think sometimes sometimes we, we get the message that we need to get over it or that that was a long time ago. Right. I I don't agree with that. I think what we're, exactly. I think what we're going through is very much connected to our history. Right. Uh, so and so sometimes I I shine a light on those things, but but I would say that's I don't want that to be the focus of my art. Um, I I want the focus of my art to be on joy and love and happiness and beauty and, and all those things. So, so oh, yeah. I try to I keep I keep my focus there and tell it. Until, until like until it turns dark, right? And then yeah, with kind of that emotion when it comes. Oh because yeah, I feel like wherever I'm at emotionally, that's where I want to be creating the art. If that makes sense. No, that's 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 definitely very powerful. And I think you know, again, kind of going back to what you said about you know the pandemic and all of those like different emotions that we had. You know, one being inside the house. You know, this unknown kind of thing going out there. You know the two different pandemics that we were faced, you know, seeing both the, on the racial side of things, as well as, um, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the disease. Um, and I know many people use that time to kind of be creative. 
you know, obviously with your art and, um, you know, many people kind of found new passions at that time. And, and I think, I mean, I think there, there were a lot of things that we learned about ourselves um, collectively as a country and as individuals and businesses mm -hmm. and everything else like that. So if you can maybe just say a few things that you maybe learned or appreciated the most, um, maybe during the pandemic about yourself or about your art, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. Um, I, um, I came to realize, well, two things, right? I became keenly aware of my introversion. <laughs> um, I, I would, I would, uh, I would, I ended up in the woods a lot. You know, I would, oh. I would just go out like, you know, take long walks by myself and that was sort of a happy place I, I saw i started like birding and taking pictures of birds and stuff but it was really it wasn't about the birds it was about solitude and and i i think part of that was like literally like you know in the pandemic you don't want to be around people but also right, right. sort of like realizing where i draw my energy um and, and like and also like i was you know in the house with my young kids and you know they they have a lot of energy and sometimes i just need space right like yeah. that space um, and so, so I, I think I realized that about myself. And then over time, I realized that I, I need people, <laughs> right? Because, yeah. uh, because it lasted a long time. And, and so eventually I, I got tired of that. And I, I realized that I need, I, I also feed off the energy of other people, uh, particularly extroverted people, right? Because they, have, they bring that energy. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so I, I think I kind of just realized uh, a lot about my needs um, personally. Um, and then artistically speaking, I, I, I guess what I've learned is just like to trust my creativity and let it flow when it's flowing and, and to realize that it's not always going to be flowing. And it's okay if it's not always flowing because it'll come back around. So it sort of right. moves in cycles. Um, and, and so I, I think initially i when I, my creativity disappeared I, I didn't know if it was going to come back and it was scary um mm -hmm. and then i sort of figured out like okay this is just a wave that i need to ride and then when it goes when the creativity goes down that's okay it'll, it'll come back around it might be six months right um but it'll come back around when it's ready and when it and when it does come back around it'll be that much more potent um because it'll be coming from a real place instead of trying to force it um yeah. and so, so i so i so i definitely learned that and, and also, you know, just one more note about like my art and from a business sense, um, I feel like, so I started off creating oil paintings that I was trying to sell for, or I would sell for a lot of money. Um, they might sell for, you know, $1,200, you know, $600, whatever it is. Um, and eventually I started, I moved to painting. I, I decided I only like painting portraits, right? And so I mm -hmm. started painting portraits and then it, I had kids and I was like, I want those portraits to be black and brown people like 99% black and brown people. And right. so I, I still was sort of moving from oil to acrylic at that point. And I just realized that like, like it was crazy. Like what, like white people were buying, was buying my art. Well, they were buying my artwork more than black people. Mm. Um, and which, which is, that's okay. It's okay for white people to buy my artwork, but um, it, it was just, uh, I was pricing people out. Right. Like yeah. from the medium that I was going with. So, so I, I basically like learned, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I feel like um, some of that art history stuff must have sunken in there. And I was thinking that oil paintings is the only way to go, right? And that it has to be this expensive artwork because that's what artwork is. It's, you know, you pay a premium for this one-of-a-kind thing. Yeah. And so I, I sort of realized that, you know, um, 
oh, you know, after switching to the iPad, I started to, I set up my website so that you can order directly from my website. And then I started to create um, canvas prints, you know, in, in regular prints. Mm-hmm. And I started to sell basically primarily that, right? So I don't really sell originals anymore. People ask me like, well, where's the original? I'm like, there is no original. It came out of my iPad, you know? But the difference is that now, you know, everybody in my family has my artwork on their walls. Nice. Right? Love that. And, 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 and just black and brown people are buying up my art and connecting with it, um, you know, in a different way. Um, hmm. the, the, that barrier is gone, gone to be able to yeah. afford it. And so, and so that it is a different, it's a different sort of business model, right? It's, it's a lot more, um, you're doing a lot more sort of selling a bunch of pieces, right? For less amounts of money. Um, but it, it's never been about the money from anyway. It's more of a hobby. Yeah. Um, it, and, and so it's, it's just a better way to connect with people, you know, and, and the card, the cards even like made it even cheaper, like a cheaper point of access for people. So, so now you can, you can spend, you know, 18, 20 bucks, um, and you have some art in your hands. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's powerful. I love the fact that you intentionally went out of your way to make sure that your artwork was accessible to, you know, your, the demographic that you were trying to target. So I think that's that's beautiful. I mean, there's so much um, to say there. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but if you can just kind of quickly maybe give uh, maybe a word of advice to aspiring artists um, and also how people can connect with you and some projects you might be working on right now. Sure. Um, so I would say, I guess I kind of already hit on a couple of them. So creativity moves in waves. That's really important to understand. It took me a long time to get to that point to figure that out. Um, I would I would also say um, create art for yourself most of the time if you can. And, and I know like I'm like in a unique position um, to do that because I have a day job, right? And so I, I, I'm not... I'm not like trying to eat from my art necessarily. Like I'm not relying on that as a as a source of income necessarily. Right. Um, so so I so I'm in a position where I can say no a lot to people, you know. But I, I think I get a lot of like, can you paint my dog? Can you paint my grandma? Can you paint my kid? Uh, which is fine, right? Um, but as soon as you agree to do that, then they are basically your boss. Mm. You, have to, you have to work on their timeline. You have to create something that they like. You have to make it look like a person that they know that you don't know. Um, and so I feel like your art sort of loses some of its, uh, oh, I don't want to say soul, but <laughs> that's a little that's a little strong. But um, I guess um, what I'm trying to say is that like when I like to create art that's closer to what I want to create and mm-hmm. how I want it to come out and how and closer to how I'm feeling. And so I think commission work is, is great in terms of paying the bills. Um, but it, it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't feed my soul. Um, and it, it kind of, it, it, if anything, it, it like hurts my creativity, you know? And so, so I, I like make it a point to say, I don't do commissions at all pretty much um, okay. for that reason, you know? But, but with all that being said, do what you have to do to eat, you know? Um, it's perfectly okay to do that, but but leave space for yourself. Right. I, I think that's important, you know. Yeah, that's powerful. And then um, how can people connect with you if there's um, any projects you're working on at the moment? Oh, yeah. So um, I, uh, 
I, I, I won a mural contest last year and the mural nice. just got painted a couple months ago. Oh, congratulations. Um, so the, oh, thank you. Uh, so the mural's up in JP. Um, it's it's called Rainbow Swag. It, it's a piece that's um, that's sort of a nod to the LGBTQ community um, and, and black folks and women. And um, I'm really excited about it. it it's 2,000 square feet. It's huge on the side of a building. Uh, so, that's, so that's the newest thing that's happening with me. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of projects going right now. I just, um, it's, it's June and I'm at the end of my school year. And, you know, so, so hopefully this summer I'll be, able, I'll, I'll be launching new projects. Um, I have a couple of new pieces out, but uh, so you can, you can get to me. Um, you can see my work on sharifmuhammad.com. So that's S-H-A-R-I-F-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D.com. Um, and I guess the best way to view my art, um, kind of in real time is on Instagram. So my Instagram is Sharif underscore the underscore artist. So I'll spell it out real quick. Uh, S H A R I F. I'm, I'm sorry. So it's the at symbol first and then S H A R I F <laughs> underscore T H E underscore artist, A R T I S T. Um, and that's basically where I post things the most. Uh, so it's probably the easiest way to connect with me. Chica, bicha, marem.